0: Hey, what is up? Welcome to another episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. I'm your host, Aaron Watson, and my guest today is Kalen Egan. He is an entrepreneur developing a software system that is updating and bringing school districts into the 21st century. We're going to get into some really cool technical aspects of building a SaaS business, want to make sure that you are subscribed both to this show and to our once monthly newsletter where we keep you up to date on all the goings on both related to this show and some of the best links and other pieces of media from the internet that we collect just for you. Head on over to goingdeepwithaaron.com slash join to get in on that action and get excited for our conversation today. We are talking entrepreneurship, personal growth, and teaching technical skills. You're going to enjoy my conversation with Kaylin Egan. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. So, so let's start out with getting to work right at 19 and that that driver to that because we we kind of talked a little bit beforehand about the grades or or whatever the academic life being up and down but when you started working at 19 did you go directly into information technology or or what was that kind of jumping off point yeah well
1: back in 2003 2004 it was you know from information technology was kind of the the path that a lot of people were taking at the time i think it still tends to be but um yeah, no. I had worked throughout high school in in the technology department of of the school district, and it was just something where at the time I said, you know, this is something that just kind of comes natural to me. It wasn't that. And if 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 I could if I could speak to anybody who is thinking about going into information technology, the I think the the underlying component to being successful in that industry is a love for fixing problems and a curiosity for why those problems exist. Because for me, I used to, you know, I I used to have a passion for fixing those problems in the school district because I started off with, you know, the typical, okay, information technology, where do you start? Well, usually it's at the kind of systems engineer kind of um, computer technician level. You know, mm-hmm. you're you're repairing computers, you're helping people use them. And for me, it was never that I had some broad knowledge of what I was doing. It was that I was curious about every problem that existed and I was disciplined enough to learn how to fix it. You know, and people would always say, you know, wow, I tried that a million times and I couldn't fix it. But, (laughs) you know, I kind of get in there and fix it in a few minutes. And for me, it just kind of it just became second nature to understand why a problem was occurring and fix it. And, um, and that's kind of, that's the, the, the path that I ended up going onto with information technology was I think because of that curiosity and that passion for fixing problems, you know, that was just the natural next step for me, you know, okay, well, I'm not going to be a doctor overnight, (laughs) so I can't fix people, you know, and there's just a lot of, there's a lot of, um, career paths that I think benefit from that kind of skill set. But for me, information technology was a good next step and you know the the opportunity was there to continue working with the technology department and the school district. So
0: Yeah, it seems I have a couple of friends who are also in IT and they'll tell me stories also of like people with just the most one oh one issues, but even the kind of more advanced issues are often the the factor of they read the manual and this person didn't. Like the like the answers are often out there. And it's, like you said, that discipline to go pursue those. So when you talk about this discipline to be able to figure out or find the solutions to these problems, how has that evolved over the years that you've been doing IT? Because I'm sure at some point you kind of reach a, a rudimentary level where most of the stuff is in your wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Where do you go for that next level of critical thinking or problem solving? Yeah.
1: Well, the path that I took was in information technology. I started off with, and I mentioned to you before that I've held probably almost every position within a technology department. (laughs) And it's just each one, I would kind of reach a point where I felt like my, you know, my growth potential was, was at its highest point, you know? And so I would look to start to pursue other things. And, in information technology it's 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 like you know, it's like the medical field. It's like the medical industry where, you know, you have doctors who specialize in a lot of different things. Technology is no different. You know, you have systems engineers, you have people who are focused on hardware network, and then you have software engineers who are focused on programming. And um, you have people who are focused on soft skills. And, you know, one of the things I did in technology inside of a school district was help, help teachers integrate technology into their curriculum. So you've got a lot of different facets of skill sets. And I would move into each one of those to see which was right for me. And I always had a passion for software development. So, you know, for me, the kind of next logical progression in IT was software development, which led me to where I am today, because I, you know, found that same opportunity to solve problems. And if you think about software development, fundamentally, you're looking to solve a problem. You know, because you're developing software to be the solution for something. And then in the development of that software, you come up against 800 problems, you know, every day because you're developing and, you know, you're looking to develop this if statement or this loop and this, you know, specific algorithm inside the software that sometimes, oftentimes you don't get right away. You know, there's, there's not a lot of people that can just crank out code from start to finish and not make any mistakes. So there's always something that you're going to be running into that you have to solve. And so for me, it's like, okay, well, that that piqued my curiosity most because it allowed me to be disciplined enough to really focus on the problem and solve it. And it allowed me to face a lot of different problems throughout my development of this software. So I started developing um, some almost customizations some enhancements to software that we had implemented in the school district that I was working at this was another position that I <laughs> that I took in the technology department and and in doing so I found that it was almost for me cathartic to work with these different departments in the school district find out what they needed and develop a software package that met their needs you know you go to the athletics department and you'd find out that they have you know, all of these different processes that they don't even realize are that inefficient. You know, they'd talk to me about, well, you know, this is, this is how we collect athletic participation and uh, medical forms, and this is how we do concussion testing, and, and the same thing with, you know, the guidance department and just different departments within a school district, and this is no different for any other organization. They're all the same. Everybody has all of these processes. A lot of times, they're very paper-intensive. And sometimes they don't even realize they're that inefficient, and it can take a talented software engineer to come in and say, "There's so much room for efficiency improvement in here that yeah, you know, I'd love to take on this this kind of problem and so that's what I used to do in, inside of the school district I worked at. I used to talk to people, figure out what problems they had, and then develop solutions for those and you know, that's that's kind of what led me to to doing what I do today. And, and while what I do today focuses specifically on school district, it has applicability in so many other areas. That just happens to be what I know. You know, I know school districts. Um, I've got a lot of experience with them now and talking to thousands of schools about how they perform different tasks, how they collect student data, how they collect parent data, and what they do with it. And it just it just happens to be that school districts are at a point on the bell curve of paperless solutions of, you know, um, digital efficacy that they're ready to start to implement some of these solutions. You know, you saw, you know, and you know, the early 2000s, how school districts were starting to implement, starting to see the benefit of 21st century teaching and learning. And they'd really focus on that in the classroom. You know, you and I were a byproduct of some of that in some ways. You yeah. know, we had some technology that was really starting to grow in the classrooms. And that's what I saw and in school districts is we've got the opportunity to start using more technology in the classrooms because this is what those students are. This is what they're responding to. Just like we were talking about before how, you know, kids nowadays are sometimes they're just staring at their phones and and that's their interaction. That's their day-to-day interaction. Well, if that's their interaction and that seems to be the path that we're moving, is it, do we try to refocus them or do we utilize what they respond to well? And that's when teachers started utilizing cell phones in the classroom and building interactive games and that kind of project-based learning that, career-focused learning is what engages them, and that's all done through technology. School districts saw that opportunity, and they started to implement that in the classroom, but they never did it in
0: the back office. And that's what is kind of mind-boggling for me to to hear about what you're doing now and also having friends in the healthcare space where, to me, as a casual outside observer, not in the trenches trying to make these changes happen— it's almost unbelievable that this isn't digitized already. Like like when so many other parts of our lives are automated and fully digital, that this is an arena where it almost seems... I don't know if you would agree that it's lagging, but what has been... It seems like you can already go in this direction, but what has been the friction of schools moving in this direction? Is it cost? Is it um, just the general lack of momentum? Why, why, is, why do you have this business opportunity before you? And maybe if you want to go into a little bit more detail about what the software does as well. Yeah. Well, so what the software does is it essentially
1: digitizes their paper processes. So you've got, you know, as I mentioned before, student registration. That's a big one with school districts. There's a ton of forms that go with accepting new students into their school district. You know, you have, you know, transcripts from previous school districts, report cards, grades, you know, just demographic information, health history. All of this needs to come to the school district, um, you know, uh, residency verification. All this stuff needs to come to the school district and it's all done via paper. And that's one example. You know, those, those exist throughout school districts and throughout organizations because they have so many processes and so many regulations and requirements from the state and federal governments too. Um, they have to report student data now. That's becoming much more of a requirement um, is reporting on student data. So they have to have accurate student data coming into their student information system that they're reporting on. And the best way to get that is point of origin. You know, is it is it uh, more efficient to have the parent enter this information and for it to go right into the student record? Or is it more efficient for them to fill out a piece of paper that gets put in the student's backpack, that gets back to school, that goes to the secretary, maybe gets to the secretary, secretary puts it on her desk, uh, puts that information into the student information system at some point. There's just lots of opportunities for error there. And so I think that was that was where the, that's where the business opportunity was, you know, really present in my mind, was seeing all of this and witnessing that there is such a lack of efficiency in this that there's an opportunity to fix it. I think where the friction is, is one is cost. You know, obviously school districts are always budget conscious and they need to be. You know, where they save money means more resources invested into the classroom, at least hopefully, and that's where it should be. Any money that they save means resources invested in the classroom. But oftentimes school districts don't, um, and I think organizations in general, I don't mean to pick on school districts, that just happens to be, you know, the market that I'm in and the experience that I have. But, you know, I think oftentimes they may not realize the amount of money and resources and time that goes into collecting this information because that's just the way that they've always done it you know, this is the way that we've always done it. And we don't have, we don't have, you know, line item costs associated with this stuff that we can really point back to, you know, no one points back to what this particular process contributes to our, you know, paper costs or toner costs or our mailing costs every year. Not a lot of people do that. Those, those are just line items that unfortunately just aren't reduced very much in school districts. And so, I think uh, cost is a big one. The other is that we're still in the age of getting everyone access to, or I guess giving everyone the digital means to access this information. Because if you think about the school districts around us, plenty of parents I'm sure have access to either a smartphone or a computer to be able to enter this information, but not everybody does. And even if they do, you still have to you still have to get over the hump of ensuring that your parents see the value of entering this information. You know, some parents, some families are still used to getting this information in the mail, and that's just what they've always done. So it's difficult to implement this change process where, okay, you're not getting those anymore. Now you need to go online and fill out this information. Once they're used to it, it just becomes second nature. But they need to have access to the information uh, to the equipment to fill in the, the information. Either it's a smartphone, which almost everybody has nowadays, or it's a computer. And then you need to get buy-in to make sure that they are using it. So those are a lot of the ways that we try to, well, we try to encourage some of that by by building capacity in the system, you know, almost forcing the entry of this data by by putting very, you know, important items in the system. So things like emergency contacts, you know, medical history information, those things are vital. You know, we need to get those into the system sooner rather than later. And the, the quickest way of getting them in there, the most efficient way is going to be the best way. So we try to build some of that capacity, encourage these larger implementations, these larger initiatives into the system. Um, and then we also try to work with school districts on grant opportunities too, because there's always, you know, an opportunity to to investigate funding for these things, you know, sometimes at the state and federal level, other foundations are providing opportunities to be a little eco-friendly, go greener, you know, that's a big thing nowadays, obviously. And if a school district is trying to implement some of those things, and not to mention, you know, economic advancements, if you've got, you know, if you've got a a prime, you know, a, a good number of your Families without access to the equipment necessary to fill in this information, okay, well, how can we get them access to that? You know what can we do in the community to benefit the school district? It's all about long term, you know so if we're help if we're supporting the community and providing people access to equipment like this, then we're getting that information into the system quicker. We're also increasing uh, engagement with families because a lot of these student information systems encourage enhanced communication between teachers parents and students you know if parents have access to grades attendance and all this other information that can now be shared online that's powerful for ensuring that those students are doing well in school you know so it's all this big circle of (laughs) of opportunity in school districts where it definitely comes back to you know how does it impact the students you know how does it impact the students in the classroom either it's Either it's we're saving dollars that we get to invest, we get to reinvest in the classroom, or we're helping support the community in some way to get them access to the information that they need access to. Yeah.
0: And it also comes back to, you you spoke to seeing these frictions, seeing these challenges from the inside. And there's plenty of people who are in organizations who are seeing frictions or headaches or inefficiencies and not moved to action the way that you were and not moved to, I'm going to change up what I'm doing, start a company and really go for this thing. So can you take us through that decision and maybe just also update us a little bit on where things currently stand with a School?
1: Yeah, well, um, it's it's hard to say why everyone doesn't do that, <laughs> you know, because in my mind, it's just it's one of those natural things where you know you you see an opportunity to contribute to something greater you know and it sounds funny to say because you know it's it's to me it's not it's not it's not exactly a maybe what i would feel a noble cause would be right yeah. it's it's something that i saw as as a gap that needed to be filled. There's a lot of school districts who don't have the don't have the funds to try to implement something like this, but have the desire to. And if I can contribute to that in some way, then I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to pursue that. And you know, it, it's it's something where I think fundamentally it comes it comes down to that curiosity that I was talking about before, and the focus and the, maybe the, the passion for solving problems that I think builds an entrepreneur, you know, in listening to some of your other podcasts, and a lot of, you know, a lot of different uh, entrepreneurial podcasts, it's, I see a trend there, that you have to, you have to have this curiosity and this kind of natural desire to solve problems. And if you do, that is what drives you forward. Because I, I'm not sure I can pinpoint a time where I said, you know what, this is, I need to do this. It was just the natural progression of things. You know, um, we, I developed the platform and that, platform was vital to a school district and then that school district talked to another school district and that that school district talked to another school district and before i know it it's something that a lot of you know people are seeing a lot of value in and so after that then it becomes supporting them and enhancing the platform and growing the platform growing the functionality gaining experience and where we need to grow and it was you know it's the natural progression it was it became something that was a almost like a hobby you know i had like many entrepreneurs i i kept a full time job as long as i could while i was doing this and you know i worked 80 hours a week or longer sometimes and that's just i had a drive because everything that i was doing was so interesting to me because I like software development, because I have that foundation of software development, I was still solving problems. Every time someone mentioned something to me that said, you know, it would be great if it, if it could do this, or we have this issue, can your platform solve that? If it couldn't, I would make it, <laughs> yeah. you know, just because it was, it was something that I, you know, it, it, I wanted, I needed to solve these problems and, um, You know, I think now where the company is, is I'm solving problems at a higher level. You know, it's, I used to be, I used to be solving problems within the platform, within the functionality of the software, and oftentimes solving some of the problems that school districts would present to us. And now that the company is growing, um, we're larger, but we're still very small. Yeah. And now that the company is growing, it's more about... Not as much solving problems, but sharing the passion that I have for helping school districts become more efficient and growing our platform, growing our user base. And so it's still about, you know, and then, and then, uh, you know, back to solving problems, it's about, okay, well, what opportunities do we have in other markets? You know, what problems exist in other markets that we might be able to solve with this foundation Platform, You know, because we know how the software works, which, as I said, it digitizes these paper processes, really um, connects those to to the database that holds all of the, the data, be it student data, parent data, you know, user data from other industries. All of it is meant to connect the point of origin to the place in the database where this information is stored. And if you can reduce the amount of time that it takes to get from that point of origin to that record in the database, then you've improved efficiency somehow and hopefully reduced cost and you've done a lot of neat things. So, and then, you know, of course, all the extra stuff, uh, reducing paper helps the environment. And, you know, as I said to you before, that's something that I have this kind of (laughs) natural, I guess, uh, this, uh, this kind of natural, I don't know, something in me, being you know born in Seattle and spending my time when I was a, a kid traveling across the country back and forth and I I just I I have um I have something for
0: the environment right so I you, always you wanna... appreciate it. the yes. more time you spend outside it's just easy to see yes. that having a positive impact or you know I've my background's in the Boy Scouts. You leave a campground yes. better than the way exactly. that you found it. And that's that's an important thing to bring with you. Um, another important thing that I just want to make sure we, we pull out of that answer that you just gave because there was so much packed into it um, was actually something I've talked with our buddy Jason Miller about, which is learning a new skill or pursuing. You know, you're talking about doing the 80-hour work week or this, uh-huh. all this kind of extra work. What is the actual driver or catalyst behind that? Because I think a lot of people out there, I I think that there's a lot of people who want to be doing meaningful work and are excited to really have a passion for the work that they're doing and and derive purpose from it. And there's something to be said for the way you accumulate new skills, um, new knowledge, become an expert in something when you have. Some sort of end goal or purpose driving that. So Jason was speaking about how with his site he's trying to optimize for SEO and he's teaching himself SEO basically, which if you try to get him to teach himself SEO under different contexts, he'd be like, that's so boring. Like I have no interest in that whatsoever. <laughs> but because it's towards his project Active Cities, he has that drive behind him. So it's cool to see that kind of being replicated in other models. And and for people who are, you know, maybe jaw agape at the notion of an 80 hour work week, especially considering you have a family and kids and other responsibilities as well. Um, I think that that is probably illuminating for them as well. Yeah.
1: And it is incredibly difficult to, to find something that you're passionate about for me. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this over and over again, to some extent, I feel like I almost fell into this. You know, I mean, I I feel like because of the natural curiosity that I've always had, my fascination with solving problems, my, what I believe is a very disciplined focus, I may have been destined to go into that, you know, entrepreneurial mentality from the beginning, right? But, you know, it's not easy. I mean, it's not easy to find something that you are passionate about. But as soon as you find that, then, all I can say is, "Stay focused, stay disciplined, and if you are, then the work that goes into getting to that end goal it doesn't seem it doesn't seem as daunting you know, and what i what I tend to do as a software developer is compartmentalize and target those areas. You know I will be the last to admit that I'm great at goal setting and organization. But what I can do is I can break down a problem into its most fundamental components, and then I start there. If you can take this large problem of, okay, where do I want to go? I want to get from here, you know, point A to point B, and what does it take to get me there? You know, in software development, I'd say, okay, I'm starting with nothing, (laughs) and I want my software to do this. What is it going to take to get me there? And then I start at a very high level kind of focusing on building out almost the proof of concept. And that same thing can apply to deriving that passion that you have for something. Okay, what is it going to take at a high level? What's my proof of concept? How am I going to get from here to there? And then once you know that, you have a vague idea of how you're going to figure out how this is going to happen. And then you just compartmentalize it, you start breaking it down into its fundamental components. And you start working through those things. And then once you do that, you're, you're, you're doing it, right? I mean, you're, you're working hard at reaching that goal. And when you reach that smaller goal, that smaller objective, you, you have this breakthrough, you know, you, you say like, great, I got that. You know, I reached this now on to the next thing. Now I can get to the next thing. And you know, that one thing may take you a long time to get to, but you're getting there, you know, you move into the next thing. And then before you know it, you're just, the time that you're investing into this just becomes like, well, I I need to do it. You know, I know this is something and I want to do that I need to do. And you just, you, you, you almost start to forget about all the time that you're investing into it. And that is something that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm actually trying to be better at is ensuring that the time that I invest in things have a big return. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's it's hard to say how you get from one a, point A to point B, yeah.
0: but, but, but I think just to kind of help tie it all together there's a difference between you're talking about passion but also developing passion in addition to maybe recognizing that you might have a passion for something because it's i think it's easy to have to perceive a passion for something when it's a quote-unquote sexy endeavor like all oh, that has a lot of you know i can very clearly see the positive things mm-hmm. associated with that but sometimes it's really the problem solving and the work where you uncover a passion for something or you develop a passion for a cause that maybe you didn't even know existed. So I think that that's going to be incredibly helpful and illuminating for people. Um, we're going to start wrapping up. Uh, want to make sure that people can connect with Excel school and you um, if they have further questions or want to learn more, where can we direct people in the digital world to connect? Um, yeah. So the, the two best ways
1: one is going to be our website www.accelaschool.com a c c e l a school.com um, and we're we're working on our social media presence we've got our, our Facebook page is up that's a great way to reach us if you if you comment on it if you send something through there it's going to go to me um, so um, I think our Facebook page is just Excelo School on Facebook but um, yeah we're we're gonna have we're gonna have more uh, coming up in 2017 big stuff and so I'm excited to I'm excited to expand our social media presence and see where we go in 2017 for sure.
0: Cool. Well, we'll be sure to link to all of that in the show notes at com slash podcast, the show notes for this and every episode of the show. But as we do at the end of every episode, uh, I'm going to give you the mic a final time to issue a personal challenge to the audience. Yeah. So this personal challenge is something that,
1: I uh, need to pursue (laughs) I don't often enough I talk about how much I work now and and I think it's something that um, I I'm going to encourage myself to do and encourage your listeners to do Um, and it's right now just take one day to think of the time that you invest in everything you do as what's my return right and you know just going back to our friend Jason Jason uh has a skill that I envy and that is playing the guitar and I think that is a good example of of a of a skill that you can invest time into and the return is very high you invest some time into learning how to play the guitar learn, learning how to play a musical instrument And you'll know how to do that the rest of your life. It's like riding a bike. You know, you spend a certain amount of time invested in learning how to do it. And then you know how to do it the rest of your life. So there's, you know, there's low risk, high yield, like, uh, you know, eating right and going to the gym and things like that. Just think, take a day and think about um, time invested and what's the return on it. And hopefully that will encourage you to consider what you're spending your time on every day.
0: And I think that what people may fail to appreciate is the amount of leverage that a day like that offers you. Because if you're really thinking about changing habits and prioritizing different parts of your life over the course of years, decades, multiple decades, um, that can completely change the way things are going for you. But also, the notion of we always have the to-do list, we always have, you know, emails in the inbox and all these other things kind of prying away at our short-term attention, moving into a space where you can really make considerations about the long-term in an extended period of time, not a five-minute thinking session, but deep thinking, deep work about your long-term vision and future is a, is a huge thing to aspire to and something everyone should do. Yeah, I would, I would encourage that with anybody awesome well thank you so much for coming on and sharing your time and thank coming you for having me. out here to record and uh hope everyone will take the challenge and connect in the digital world thank you Hey, thank you so much for listening. Please hit subscribe if you've not already done so and get excited for some of our forthcoming episodes, including our interview with The Drinking Partners. They were recently named the number one Pittsburgh podcast of 2016, and I brought them on to talk stand-up comedy, podcasting, and how to be funny. It is a great conversation among many, many more on Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Thanks for listening. Connect with Aaron on Twitter and Instagram at AaronWatson59.